Sorry, everybody. No church history today. This is the Launchpad for Pomona Valley Church. Hi, everyone. I'm Meredith, and that's Curtis. And we are the lead pastors of Pomona Valley Church, a getting started church that enjoys hanging out in the backyard on a Sunday afternoon to explore following Jesus together and eat. We're in the middle of a series right now called Finding Your Rhythm, where we have been exploring the tool of having a rhythm of life. The tool is not remotely original to us, but it's incredibly helpful as a way to think about the habits and the practices that we put into our day-to-day lives in order to live them more deeply connected to God. We've been especially exploring two areas of practice each week that at first glance might seem in tension with one another or like they need to be balanced. But then we are trying to find the ways that we would discern with God what our next faithful step is as it relates to one or both of those areas. So this week we talked about how the Bible says that we ought to be holy and also how the Bible tells us to do justice. So we were talking about how those two things are interconnected and in tension with each other, but both essential for following Jesus. And we did do a lot of American church history if you have an interest in revisiting that sermon. I will say it was Curtis's sermon. It's really interesting. A little church history, just a little. More than you probably knew before. But again, it is interesting. Anyhow, what we wanted to do with this episode was provide four practices that we could offer as a getting started point if you'd like to think about what it means to move into these things. Now, this week's a little bit different than our other practice episodes. Normally, with each of the areas we've explored, we've tried to offer three ideas for getting started. But this time, we have four practices in all And they're all communal practices, things that you have to do with a group as a community of faith. One of the things we talked about on Sunday is how the community of faith aspect of both being holy and doing justice is is really essential, that you're missing something if you just think about how I as an individual can be holy or how I as an individual can do justice. And so we wanted to offer practices that, that recognize that. The reality that we need a community of faith to support us and encourage us and help us in being holy and doing justice. That the community part is not optional. Before we dive into the four practices themselves, we wanted to comment just briefly on how communal practices might work or be even a little bit different than individual faith practices. Because communal practices are often part of our church experience, perhaps when we go on a weekend for worship or when we're in some sort of community or smaller group in the middle of the week, they aren't necessarily something we just pick and do alone. They happen when we get together. And so one of the things we thought could be helpful is to give just a couple of stories of how these practices might feel or look in our lives so that maybe the next time you are in a faith group, you find yourself noticing them in a different way or contributing to them in a different way than you would otherwise. There's just that reality that when we understand the why of a practice, we're able to be part of it in a different way than if it was happening around us but we weren't aware before. Communal practices in worship spaces can often be like that. 
So hopefully you have a community of faith wherein these practices are happening or could be happening. Um, if you don't, that might be something to consider is how you could um, either find or develop for yourself a community of other Christians, a community of faith in which you could do some of these practices. So ideally, you'll be able to show up to what you're already doing community of faith-wise and engage in these practices in the next week or two with that community. If that isn't the case, then it might be a practice of forming a community in which to do them. So with that said, we're going to visit each of the four practices, the first of which is that of exploring scripture more deeply together. As Curtis mentioned in the sermon, you can, of course, read scripture on your own and have that be incredibly formative. But when a group explores scripture together, which might mean you read it aloud, it might mean someone is teaching about it, it might mean that you're doing a book study, but any of these spaces where you explore it collectively, it allows us to perhaps stop on the more challenging and difficult parts of things that alone we might gloss over. I know that for me, when I think about the linked goals of holiness and justice, and then I think about the practice of community exploration of scripture, I can remember a specific faith leader. She was very interested in the way that the book of Isaiah talked about injustice. And she invited people who would like to read some of Isaiah's words over and over again for a a number of days in a row. And then together people started responding to what they noticed or what stood out to them. And so there was a group exploration of Isaiah's words about some injustice where we sat in that scripture and thought about what it meant to be God's holy people and this being the word of the Lord to that group at that time. And now here we are now. And those couple of weeks rooted in those words were very significant for shaping my understanding of how God's holy people do right in the world. Curtis, what was the next practice you offered to us in the sermon? So the next one we're going to talk about is the practice of confession. And I think confession is a tricky practice for a lot of people. I know for me, I have more negative stories uh, around the idea of confession than positive ones. But at the same time, we wanted to recognize that it is a really important practice. It can be really healthy and really helpful um, for people who are trying to follow Jesus. There's a reason why this practice has been around for a very, very long time. And confession can take a lot of different forms. Probably you have some image in your mind of what that means, what you do, who's around, who listens, what you're supposed to say, what others who hear the confession say back. Fact of the matter is the practice of confession is about naming reality so that we can experience the freedom of forgiveness and grace on the other side. That's what it's intended to do for us. It's inviting us back to who we are supposed to be and who God sees us as through the grace of Christ. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a formal process or a formal accountability group or that's whatever buzzword you want to use. I've told the story before about the first few months of Riley's life and how challenging those were for me and how we asked for help from friends who could come and be there with me. And one of the things that was challenging about that was that that act of asking for help was in and of itself kind of a confession. I am not who I want to be in relation to this child. I am not parenting him the way I ought to be. I am doing things that I did not know that I had in me um, in a negative sense. And having to own up to that in the process of asking for help was humbling and also freeing. And it 
got us the help that we needed so that I could experience God's grace in the midst of that challenging situation. And those were friends that saw who Curtis really is. And so they knew that while he was having a hard time, he wasn't fundamentally altered. They were able to see what he wasn't seeing in himself in that time of the love and peace of Christ that could be again in the future. And speaking of practices that are about naming reality and telling the truth, the third practice that we offer as a communal practice to cultivate both holiness and justice is that of naming, especially naming injustice. In white evangelical churches, we have generally struggled to name the injustices around us, especially because a lot of things that are wrong in the world actually benefit us. And so we've been hesitant or reluctant to say the things that we see that are wrong. For many of us, the way our churches talk about justice or injustice might not totally feel like naming reality, or it might feel like spinning reality or ignoring reality, depending on where you've been and what your church has been like. Or it might be one version of reality from one perspective. But the practice of naming injustice as a community, that when we are together, we try to tell the truth about what's wrong in the world, then it would call all of us to engage. We can't ignore the things that we've all heard, seen, been considering together. Before we came back to California, our church in Illinois always had a service uniquely dedicated to racial reconciliation during Martin Luther King weekend. And that was a space where one of the years they actually talked about the differentiation in policing for white communities versus communities of color. Now, one of the extra layers after that service happened was to watch reactions to that truth, to watch people who were frustrated that it was said, to watch people who denied what was being told to them about those experiences, but then also to watch people of color from our community say thank you that we told the truth, and then to hear the extended stories that came because we named reality. And that last pathway, that was the one that was really hopeful to me, that when we commit together that we're going to say this is wrong and this is what's happening, we invite the voices of others who might know about that to share so that we can then say, as the people of God set apart from this world, what is our next faithful step together? But that doesn't happen if you don't name it. Yeah, I talked about in the sermon how important diversity is in this uh, practice because we want to be able to hear about the injustices that other people see from their perspectives that we might not see from ours. I think it is safe to say that if in our community of faith we are not hearing about and being exposed to um, injustices that we did not know about outside of that community of faith, then there's something missing. The final communal practice we talked about Sunday was that of sharing stories. Part of why this matters so much is that we believe in the Spirit of God in each of our lives so that the regular things we do, God's there. And part of being holy is not being people who attend a religious space with some regularity, that we go somewhere set apart, but that in our mundane, everyday lives, we live set apart, that there is somehow a way that we are trying to think about where we shop or who we spend our time with or how we fill the space of our day that is connected to the love of God 
reminding us who we are and extending that love to others. And so if we don't tell our stories, I think it gets harder to understand what holiness even means. It makes it too cerebral or far away. But it's really possible to live as God's holy people in this exact space on this exact day. And our stories help us see that for each other. In some ways, stories cut across all these other practices that we've mentioned because confession is a form of story. Uh, Naming the injustice that we see or that we are engaged in is a form of telling our story. Engaging with scripture and saying, this is what I see or hear when I'm reading this passage is a way of telling our story. So telling stories is, is so important in across these practices. It's kind of at the heart of what the what a communal practice is, is sharing who we are with one another. And it's also a practice that is probably missing the most <laughs> in uh, communities of faith. Yeah, as we've had a trend towards only studying the Bible or listening to teachers talk about the Bible, or perhaps even having stories only be presented to the community if they're curated and artfully presented. Perhaps we've not believed that our ordinary stories and our ordinary days are really places where holiness can be cultivated and justice can flow. And so reclaiming the trust that God is in our lives and therefore the story we are about to tell is a story of God's work. That can be incredibly important for all of us. So we're going to leave it there for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're local in Southern California, we would be so glad to see you on Sunday. We meet for worship at 4.30 p.m. with dinner at 5.30. And so until next time, we love you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.